Welcome to the Financial Coaches Network, a show to help financial coaches build and grow successful coaching businesses by focusing on the three pillars, getting clients, working with clients, and running the business. I'm Garrett Fulbin. Over the first four years as a coach, I grew a successful financial coaching business to over 80K in annual revenue. And I'm Joshua Escalante Troche. As a tenured professor of entrepreneurship and a consultant, during the past two decades, I've helped more than a thousand entrepreneurs start and grow their businesses. So get that pen and paper ready or open up the notes app on your phone. It's time to build your ideal financial coaching business. Welcome back to Financial Coaches Network's podcast. Emily, what are we talking about today? Today, we're going to talk about retirement planning, but specifically what kind of retirement planning are unlicensed coaches allowed to do. So those of us who don't have a CFP, haven't taken any series exams, have no certifications that would legally allow us to give investment advice, what kind of retirement investment type advice can we legally give? And as another quick note, in a couple weeks, there will also be a conversation around what do you need? What are those certifications that you need to get to give investment advice? So we're not going to touch on that today. But if you tune in in a couple of weeks, that topic will be covered. So today is about what can I do without the licenses? Okay. So there's nothing legally that stops you from talking about the topic of retirement planning, Mm -hmm. right? So retirement planning, there's nothing like you're not going to find that in any law. There are, however, conversations that are highly likely to come up if you're talking about retirement planning, and those conversations are illegal. Right. So I I think what we want to do is, and then there is the side of you don't know what you don't know, and (laughs) you can damage people, right? So there's the potential to do harm. Yeah. So there's, there's illegal there's it's not a good idea because you're in a gray area that has a lot of liability and then of course the potential to do harm and then of course there's the you can talk about this no problem right <laughs> right so that, that's kind of our our areas so the when we look at retirement planning we'll we'll start with the stuff that's just outright illegal right perfect and that is making any recommendations about investments, right? What investments they should have or how they should invest. Okay. Does that include in what kind of investment accounts? So that doesn't necessarily include what kind of investment accounts. Okay. So there's nothing illegal about saying you should use a Roth IRA or the Roth 401k in your, in your account. Okay. That's not illegal, but it doesn't. Say, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there is a dot 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 at the end yeah. of that. <laughs> and so, when you're talking about what type of investment account that you should get, number one, most of the information that you will find online is dead wrong. Right? Mm-hmm. People talk about how much they love the Roth IRA, and everyone should put money into a Roth, and so on and so forth. It is absolutely not that simple for some people. The traditional is going to be long-term tax-wise better. Mm-hmm. And for other people, the Roth is going to be long times uh, tax-wise uh, better. 
Yeah. And it's, and it's oftentimes, well, it is highly correlated with income. So the lower your income, the more likely the Roth is going to be better. And the higher your income, the more likely the traditional is going to be better. Mm-hmm. But that's not necessarily true all the time. So as an example, if someone is planning on living off of their savings accounts from savings accounts equaling cash, cash, right? right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Savings accounts from 65 to 70. Mm-hmm. And they are going to not pull any money from their retirement accounts. They are also not going to claim social security Mm -hmm. and they're not going to have any jobs. What is their income going to be? Zero. So during those five years, their tax rate is going to be, in fact, their income is actually going to be negative $26,000 because of the standard deduction. Yeah. So for those five years, their income is going to be lower than whatever low income they have right now, Mm. right? Now, that's not to say that that automatically suggests that the person is going, should it be putting into a traditional, right? Right. But but you, you have, you can't make very simple estimations of what is their tax going to be. Right. As, as Debbie pointed out in the comments in the Facebook, while we're live, it's a tax issue. issue. Yeah. It's also, however, a liability issue. Mm. Different accounts have different liability shielding and different accounts in different states or different accounts with different circumstances have different liability shielding. And you're talking about liability for the client. For the client, right? Okay. Shielding from a lawsuit, right? Because oftentimes when we're talking about liability, it's what is your liability as a coach. Right. In this case, it's different accounts have different liability for the client. Yeah. So sometimes a 401k has very high liability shielding. Sometimes it has very low. Is it's, that based on the 401k or is that based, based on, on the situation? It's based on the the based on the broader situation of the company and whether or not the 401k qualifies for ERISA protection. Mm. But sometimes, or in some states, IRAs have very high liability protection. And in some states, IRAs have very low liability protection. And so when we think about like what types of accounts there are, there's nothing illegal about that. Mm. You can talk about the accounts, you can talk about those types of things very, very simply. The challenge is what are those tax implications? What are those liability implications, right? What are the implications in a divorce, Mm -hmm. right? What are the, and all of those factors have to be, should be considered in order to give a client good advice, right? So this is not illegal. This is, it may be a bad idea. So right. it's fine to say, yes, you should put money in a, in a Roth IRA. You should open a Roth IRA and put money in it. But it's legal, but it it's may not legal. be. legal. Yes. Yeah. It's, a, yeah, it's legally okay to do, but be aware of all of the other implications and aware that you may or may not be giving good advice. Right. And generally, you're not going to get sued over uh, the Roth thing. You mm-hmm. may harm a client, which is its own yeah. But you're not going to get sued over the Roth thing because people don't really realize their tax problems until it's way too late, right? Right. You may get sued over 
telling them to put it into a Roth IRA and then it's subject to a lawsuit. Mm. Right. Lawsuits so, beget lawsuits. <laughs> exactly. And so uh, the, you know, realize that even the, amongst the bad advice, there may be varying levels of risk that you're taking. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, if someone says, hey, is it a good idea to put money in a 401k, right? Or is a 401k a scam? It's going to be hard pressed for you to get into any trouble or cause any damage to a client by saying, hey, 401ks are wonderful. It's how you save for your retirement. You should put money into it. If the company offers a match, that match is free money. That's probably the first thing that you should look at doing, right? Those okay. that, was, that was one of the questions on my list. Are there any problems with telling a client to put money in their 401k to get the company match. Yeah. I mean, all of that is good. Okay. Right. Um, all of that is you're not really making any recommendations one way or the other. Now, if they say, well, I have a Roth or a traditional, right. Which one should I do? That's going to have a tax implication. You might want to talk to your CPA or your financial advisor, right? That's in that case, you might say, here's the differences here, you know, with a Roth, you pay the taxes now. And then when you withdraw, you don't pay the taxes with a traditional, you don't, you know, blah, blah, blah. go talk to somebody to do the tax planning projections for yeah. when you would be pulling that out. Yeah. And I would, I would go so far as when you're making that statement of here's the difference of like when, when the taxes are paid, preempt the client saying, well, which one is better asking you, which one yeah. is by saying, and this is a, there is a significant long-term tax implication. You need to talk to someone that does long-term tax planning, possibly your CPA, possibly your financial advisor, yeah. right? Possibly both. <laughs> right. Possibly both. The more that you can identify what those issues are and preempt the client's question, the more you take ownership of your expertise. Yeah. And it doesn't feel like you're not able to answer their questions. You're actually answering their questions before they're even at and realizing they want to ask them. Right? You're telling them exactly who to go bring that question to as yeah. far as who can answer it. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, don't don't wait for the client to ask the question, preempt the question so that you take control of your expertise. Makes sense. What about um, and this question came in the comments and I had it written down as well. Mm -hmm. Can you tell them how much to put? in a specific, let's go generally, you know, it looks like you can, you should be able to put X dollars or X percent in retirement, or you should put X dollars or X percent in a 401k, in an IRA. Where are you getting that percent from? I would, I, my thought would be, we've gone down, we've looked at their, you know, average spending, their monthly spending, their cash flow, however you do it. And you're like, okay, we can do $400 a month. Why don't you just set that up to have it come out of your paycheck and go into your 401k or great. You can do $400 a month. Just set up an auto transfer to put that into your Roth IRA every month or do 202 or whatever. Yeah. So I think that that, that so I know that that is fine because okay. you came up with that number through the budget. As opposed to, as opposed to saying, you need to have $2 million for retirement in this many years. So we're extracting backwards saying you need to invest this much each month because that's investment advice. Because that's, that's yes. Because now we're talking about you have a assumed rate of return. That assumed rate of return has to have an asset allocation associated with it. Mm -hmm. A 60-40 portfolio is not going to have the same assumed rate of return as a 90-10. 
Right. And as a result, you are uh, you've um, crossed the line because of the assumptions within that percentage. What about uh, saying there's a general recommendation that you save 10 to 20 percent towards retirement? So let's save 15 percent. Can you can you go? Because uh, I, I know you can't you, you shouldn't say we're going to assume a six percent return because of the investment thing, like you were right. just saying, or seven percent or whatever. Can you say general advice is to save X percent to set you up for retirement? Because that's sort of doing the same thing, but it's sort of yeah. not. So can you do it legally? Yes. Okay. Again, Should it may or may not be a good idea. Right. You're not going to get sued over it. Yeah. However, you may harm the client from it. And we'll let's talk about this. So this is something that I talk about in when I teach, right? Mm -hmm. This. I'm sure. And harming students is obviously a big concern for me. Yeah. <laughs> right. And so what I will what I will do is I will break it down by age range. Mm. Right. And I'll say, you know, if you're in this age range, right, you should be targeting, you know, this area of percentages. If you're within this age range, you're targeting this area of percentages. Uh, and it's a range of percentage, not a hard percentage, okay. right? That, that I get. Sense. And I say after 40 you need to be talking with a professional because you've only got a couple of decades left. And it's yeah. very, you know, in the beginning, putting 10 or 15% away isn't going to matter. You're starting and getting a foundation. Yeah. If you talk to a professional by the time you're at, at, in your forties, you are going to, you've got two decades plus a really <clears throat> good foundation yeah. to be able to adjust to whatever's actually needed. Right. So I think percentages are good. I think ranges would be better. And I mm -hmm. think that having a cutoff of age, right, where at a certain age, that's when you need to talk to a financial advisor, right? To make sure you're on track with your plans and they'll and help you, you figure that out. Yeah. And all of that. So those are, that would be the best route, in my opinion, across the board. And sort of figure out if you're starting from the, we're looking at cash flow monthly, here's what we're looking at, or annually, here's what we're looking at. It's great. Let's put that away. If you're over 40-ish, yeah. also, please go talk to a financial advisor to make sure that, you know, this is the plan we have. Where will this get you? How do you need to adjust? Is this too much? Right. Is this not enough? What are some benchmarks to hit? Go talk to somebody to handle that planning side. Yeah. What about, let's go with another specific question. What about consolidating 401ks? Are there, is there a range of things? Because I would assume saying, oh yeah, you should roll your old 401k over into an IRA is, well, is it is it legal or is it illegal? And I'm quite sure that's a bad idea because of all the tax implications, but is it even legal to say that? So first off, there shouldn't be tax implications. Oh, good point. Because it's 401k to IRA. Yeah, yeah. But people end up with tax implications all the time. Because they do it wrong. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I had a person contact me and the reason why they contacted me was because they're a do-it-yourselfer, do all their research. They did it wrong. And they ended up with an $80,000. Ouch. Yeah. So... The, the issue with rolling from a 401k to an IRA is more uh, more in alignment with what 
are the downsides of doing that, not the tax implications. So okay. there's a potential liability implication. So it's legally okay. It's just be yeah. aware that there's a million things going on and be careful. That could be problematic. Yeah. The with regard to rolling to the current company's 401k, mm-hmm. right? The question there is which company has a better 401k? Yeah. And just because on the statement one shows a higher fee <laughs> does not actually mean that that one is better than the other. The second you say, well, this one has better investment options. That's investment advice. Now you've got investment advice, right? Can you say this one has higher fees or these investment options have higher fees? You could say these. these that implies better, kind of, but no, it, not really. That's, that can be mathematically calculated just based on okay. the state. Okay. However, that does not mean I would much rather pay a higher fee for a better investment. Right? Yeah. That's true. Or people but say, I would rather pay a 1% fee for a 20% return than a 0.01% fee for a 3% return. Yeah. Yeah. I assume that math works out. It, yeah, it, it does. By <laughs> yeah. So the, so when we look at that, it's, you know, the fees are important, but the fees are the second most important thing, right? By far. And the math absolutely proves this. Everyone says fees are the most important thing. No, what you're invested in is the most important thing. Your asset allocation is the most important thing. If the asset allocation is the same, obviously lower fees are better. Right. But if what you're invested in sucks, doesn't really matter what the fee is. Yeah. It doesn't matter how low the fee is. Over a 30-year period, a United States Treasury bond fund Mm -hmm. is not going to beat a U.S. A five uh, Fortune 500 fund. Right. It's not going to. Yeah. Which you can say, but I can't say. Well, no, I could say that. I just couldn't tell them which one is better you, and which one you, they should invest in. You could say over the last 40 years. Okay. I, I, would, hate this. I also wouldn't say over a 40 year period. I would, it yeah. would, I would say over the last 40 years. This yeah. Is. This is the probability of it happening. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, lines. Um, I had a follow up with that, but now I lost it with the, where does the investment? Oh, um, could you have a client screen share and walk you through, you know, here are the fees on this one, here are the fees on that one, or is that probably, I, I mean, you certainly could, but then I feel like the natural next question is, so which one is better? At which point you yeah. may as well, if you're going to be referring them to somebody else anyway, just do it right. You may away. as well refer them to somebody else and have that person go through the fees because it saves you time and it saves you the conversation around. Yeah, which one is better. And there's a lot of un there, there's a lot of fees that happen that are not visible, right? Mm-hmm. So there are annuity annuities that have zero fees. Mm-hmm. They're not disclosed anywhere because yeah. they're baked into the calculation of how they calculate the uh the return on the annuity every year right that makes sense so you know if you have a huge amount of expertise in reading those things sure you probably don't unless you've gone through some pretty significant training all right i have one more specific question from the comments and then at least one more specific question from my notes 
Is it okay to tell people not to put money into the 401k after the match if they have high interest debt? Legally, I believe I the answer is yes. Doubt, I highly doubt the <laughs> SEC is going to get you for this. But there's, a, there's another dot, dot, dot there. Yeah, an argument could be made that you are making an investment recommendation that this investment is not going to outperform the 20% negative return on your credit cards. I don't think you're going to get into trouble for that. I mean, <laughs> technically, you could make that argument, right? But it's but it's a pretty solid statement that your investments in your 401k aren't going to outperform a negative 20% yeah. interest rate on a credit card. 29%. I feel like the average I've been seeing lately has been like 27%. Whatever the interest uh, is. But yeah. Yes. Yeah. Painful almost always. Um, and so, so yeah, but be careful, be aware. Yeah. Yeah. The one of the things that you have to be careful of with that, though, is what are some of the other implications for that? Right. So one thing that a lot of people don't consider is, you know, what are the bankruptcy implications for that? Mm. If the person is on path for bankruptcy, and especially if they've already reached out to a bankruptcy attorney, yeah, you don't want to make that recommendation uh, for a couple of reasons. Uh, number one, the attorney is going to be not very happy with you. <laughs> right. And number two, the bankruptcy is going to discharge the credit card debt. It's not going to refill the 401k account. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and now, and if, for example, they just switched over to paying off the credit card debt. And then two years down the road, they pursue bankruptcy. Mm. Then the and debtors can say this person maximized their debt prior to the bankruptcy, mm. basically committed fraud. And that may depending on the bankruptcy attorney and their philosophies may mm -hmm. cause the bankruptcy attorney to not have as many strategies available. To them. Yeah. Right. So I, I would say that it's not necessarily bad, but you want to be very, very conscious of is a, is a bankruptcy a potential, right? Is this so, is their debt so high that bankruptcy is a potential mm -hmm. in which case that's something that they need to be talking to a bankruptcy attorney about that particular question. Yeah, that makes sense. Kind, makes kind sense. of not unusual case, but not, it's not going to be every case either. Yeah. Right. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So then my next specific question, mm -hmm. HSAs, what kind of advice can you give around HSAs? Oh. Because there's a lot of tax stuff there. There's a lot of future planning stuff there, but there's also a lot of cash flow there. Mm -hmm. Should you just not touch it, HSA? Because there are so many. I mean, it's like you look over here and there's liability potential. You look over there, there's life. I mean, it's everywhere. Or yeah, how do you handle that? So <laughs> let, let's talk about. So there's a lot of like <laughs> about HSAs. Or hang on, hang on, pause. Should uh -huh. we just do a whole episode on HSAs? 
Should we just stick a pin in we this? Should do a whole just, on HSAs. I think maybe we should. As soon as I said that, I was like, we've got like a couple minutes left today. Maybe we should just add that as a topic coming up. Okay. So coming soon on the Financial Coaches Network podcast and episode on HSAs and all yeah. of that. Um, so do you want to? Yeah, go ahead. So Emily asked about in the comments about the TSP, which is huge, right? The thrift savings plan. This is the government's uh, form of the 401k. And with 401ks and TSP, the government is cracking down on um on it is really I shouldn't say cracking up. They're really looking at the dangers of people advising people to roll from a 401k to an IRA, to roll from a TSP to an IRA. Uh, licensed people. So we have to actually document why that recommendation makes sense. And that we have gone over with them all of the pros and cons and implications. And it's not, here's three things, right? Yeah. It's, a, it's a pretty significant thing. And so I would say that the rollover advice is something that you really want to be, to, to consider, right? The, just because it is, it is potentially problematic advice, right? Um, at the very least, what you want to say is you have three options when you leave your company, right? Leave it there, roll it to the 401k in the next company, roll it into an IR. Is right. correct? Yes. Yeah, those are your three. <laughs> Good. So, well, you have other options too. You could cash it out, right? True. On True. Over, right? So what I would say is let them know the three options and then say, you really should talk to a registered investment advisor mm -hmm. for which one of those is right for you if, you, if you're not sure, right? Um, just because again, it, it, it starts you walking down a path that has a lot of potential client negative implications and mm -hmm. implications for you, right? right. All right. In our last couple minutes, mm -hmm. I asked you a question before the podcast and then said, wait, should we just talk about this on the podcast? So I'll give the the 15 second backstory. I have a client, a young client whose dad's friend works for Raymond James. And so this client is considering opening accounts there. So I wanted to know Josh's opinion on Raymond James. And then I went, and how do you how do you steer a client in the direction or away from a direction with investment advice that you do want them to go or don't want them to go essentially? So how how forthright with, like, I know, Josh, you like to kind of diss on Edward Jones with their situation. Yeah. You, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's a name that's popped up before. So. Yes. So say a, a client came to me, I mean, you obviously can handle the investment. So somebody comes to me and says, oh yeah, I'm going to open accounts with Edward Jones. It's just great. At, you know, I know this person, or even I don't know this person, but I talked to this person. Where are you allowed to be like, oh, let's put the brakes on and talk about this. Or are you yeah. just sort of like, well, I can't really say anything. How tied are my hands? So I, I think that you, 
are not going to necessarily have your hands tied, okay. right? From the perspective of, you know, talking about a company mm-hmm. is and what your thoughts on that corporation is uh, not going to run afoul of the Investment Advisors Act or anything like that, right? Okay. The um, the challenge is going to be a couple of fold, right? The first challenge is what is, who is the company? And are you sure you know that? Right. 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 So, um, you know, the multi-level marketing firms, uh, I think going and saying, hey, this is a problem, right? Mm -hmm. And why, right? Edward Jones, this is how Edward Jones works. Here's why. Raymond James is... You can think of Raymond James more like TD Ameritrade than okay. Ed Jones. Okay. So there are people that work for Raymond James, but Raymond James, there's also independently owned uh, registered investment advisors that are fee only and fiduciary that do their custody through Raymond James. Um, there are, and then there are, goes a lot of sales stuff as well through right. Raymond so to some degree, it depends on the person okay. that, they're, that they're getting. I would um, I would look at two places to refer them to. Okay, the first is refer them to BrokerCheck, BrokerCheck.org, mm. okay. and even pull it up and say, let's take a look at the person. Here's their history. Here's disclosures they've had. These are the licenses they have, and this is and you can say this is what these licenses mean, right? And the second thing that uh, you can refer them to is, and Emily uh, put it in the uh, in the comments. <laughs> yeah, and I'll put it in the resources of, in the show notes for yeah. those of you listening to the podcast. It is, my nonprofit has an article on, this is what to look for in a financial advisor. And mm-hmm. it literally walks them through, you know, this is what the licenses mean. This is questions to ask. These are um, these are the types of advisors that have an obligation to the client. These are the ones that don't, right? And it, it allows the client to have a little bit stronger self advocacy as mm-hmm. it goes, which is huge. Yeah, right. Um, and so those are the that's kind of the places that you want to to okay. go with it uh, is those two areas. Um, and you know, there, there's those multi-level marketing firms. There are some people that are good advisors at them, Mm -hmm. right? So you want to be careful about having a blanket statement about things, especially if it's a personalized blanket statement, people who work for this organization are, as opposed to this company operates in a way that, yeah. Now, and even you can say people who work for, um, Primerica are multi-level marketing people. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So saying everyone who works for Primerica is only focused on recruiting, because that's not true. Many of them are, but that's the way the ecosystem is set up. But yeah, this is the risk you're taking. The risk you're taking is they are going to have recruiting you into the multi-level marketing thing as a an incentive, as a thing that's on their mind, right? Um, it's like working, not everybody who 
also sells products, is only trying to sell products, but it's on their mind. It's always there. Yeah. 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 And the the other side of this is, you know, you have a um a potential liability, especially if you decide to say something on TikTok and it goes viral. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, because if you say something untrue, you could have a significant problem. Right. right. Um, and so that that's a that's something that you want to be conscious of as well. Yeah. Uh, and certain companies are very litigious, right? Disney. I mean, we're not talking about Disney, but probably shouldn't have even said that or we're gonna get yeah. taken down. But even companies you don't you may not think are. So Dave Ramsey, for example, is mm. very just uh oh where i don't know whatever i just saw something about a lawsuit there yeah. but yeah so the you, you know you want to realize that you you also may be opening yourself up depending on the platform that you have and how large that platform is yeah that makes sense all right if anybody has any follow up questions um put them in the comments on the facebook page and tag one of us to make sure that we see it because otherwise we may or may not because yeah, tags get seen more than counting on basic notification rules. Yeah. And tune in in a couple of weeks, like I said, for a conversation around, okay, so I want to actually be able to say these things that I can't really say. What do I need to do to be able to do that? Definitely. See you later. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of the Financial Coaches Network podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe so you'll be the first to know when new episodes are released. Uh, it also helps iTunes and everything else know that you liked it and suggest it to other people. And if you can think of one person, a financial coach or someone aspiring to be, who would connect with what we talked about today, share it with them as well. If you're ready to take the next step and build your successful financial coaching business, FCN has turnkey resources to help you get clients, work with clients effectively, and run your business efficiently. Head to Financial Coaches Network backslash start here or Financial Coaches Network backslash stall if you're Sean Connery. Thank you again for listening, and we'll catch you on the next episode of the Financial Coaches Network podcast.